1: I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and business women, especially those of us building our businesses from home, you know that we're just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We're smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I am very excited to be bringing today's guest in because we have gone through a lot. To finally get her on the air. For Angela Engel, who is the publisher and founder of the Collective Book Studio, having her third child was pivotal. The need to create that work-life juggling act that some people call balance is something she didn't have in her current job, and it was imperative. And starting the Collective Book Studio was an essential next step in achieving that so-called balance in that juggle. An entrepreneur's path is never a straight line. There are many bumps along the road, and when you add the pressure of raising a family, those bumps can become potholes if you aren't careful. Angela's been successfully navigating the mompreneur roads since 2019, and she'd be happy to share her lessons learned and what she's still learning with all of us. So with that being said, Angela, finally, Welcome to Word of Mom Radio. (laughs) Thank you, Dory.
2: I'm so excited. We are finally, like, getting to connect this way.
1: I'm serious. I mean, let's face it. We've had two COVID things. I got stuck in traffic (laughs) on my way back from a business trip. It has been very interesting. And I always say when things like this happen, it's because something really wonderful is going to come from it. (laughs) It I totally agree. I (laughs) love it. So, you know what? Take us on your journey and talk to us about what
2: led you to create the Collective Book Studio. Gosh, I have to go then back 20 years. I got a job right out of college uh, in publishing. I was, you know, what, 22 years old and a comparative lit major, creative writer, and got a job in marketing. And I was really lucky. It was at the time that independent publishing over 20 years ago was Booming, and I was on the marketing team for the Four Agreements, which made the New York Times bestseller and was an Oprah pick. Uh, and then I got to write, you know, the the Dream of Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, uh, Cold Mountain. Um, I was on that marketing team. And oh, when 9/11 hit, Seven Stories out of New York, a small independent press. I had the book by Noam Chomsky, "9/11." We crashed that book and it hit the New York Times bestseller. So I think that sort of over time just made me realize what fun the publishing industry was and how creative it was. And I got really blessed. I started to grow really quickly in my career. By the time I was 30, I was already a senior sales manager for mass market accounts at Chronicle Books. And so I spent to 15 years in corporate and publishing to sort of before I branched off to do my own thing. Talk to us about the Collective Book Studio and what you do there. So I am the publisher and the founder of the company. It was founded, now we're going into year four. We started actually before the pandemic. I never thought that I would have a pandemic to launch a visual, beautiful life style brand in. And it's definitely been challenging. But I think because I formed the company with publishing veterans, we all came from publishing, that we've just done a great job that we make gorgeous books, all in nonfiction, gifts, lifestyle, and children. And we have already are over 50 titles by the end of this year that we've produced in three years. So I'm just proud of the team. And we make real books. Of course, we make ebooks and, uh, you know, audiobooks and other things. But no, we make absolutely with the spot boss and the foil and the gorgeous paper that you can smell and the board books that you read to your children at night, like we make those beautiful books you see in Barnes & Noble or at the Strand in New York. At Sixth Avenue, we've had books that are Target. So I'm really proud of the company that I've already built, and I'm really excited to see where it goes over the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years as I plan. I really plan on sort of really talking about how women-owned and independent presses are still really important in the ecosystem of art.
1: I love that. I am somebody... Nothing makes me happier than having that book in my hand. Even the board books that I read to my grandkids. You know, I really do. There's something about it. You know, I I can read an e-book and I do it for most of our guests when they write a book because I interview so many authors. You can only have so much shelf space. But, oh, every once in a while, I'll get that book in the mail. And, oh, there's just, I do, I really, (laughs) truly love it the why. As I read as we were starting that having your third child was pivotal, and we joke about that work-life juggling act that people think you're called balancing, but it's really being on that board. You know, talk to us about that why for you.
2: Yeah, so um I had my first child, she's now going to be 14, uh, when I was like 31 years old. And I was a really senior sales manager. um, And in that role, you travel a lot. Every couple weeks, I was on an airplane, whether that and I was flying all over the country, uh, from New York to go visit, you know, Bye Bye Baby, maybe in New Jersey, or Seattle to visit Costco, Minneapolis to visit Target. I mean, I was just traveling constantly. And almost 14 years ago, there was no pumping rooms. There was no like uh, place for me to go. So literally I would pump even at corporate offices within utility closets. Or if I was working a trade show at the Javits Center in New York, you were like in the basket. There was no stall. Now you go to these trade shows and there's these like beautiful pumping stalls that did not exist. And I really thought for myself, And for my family, we wanted a second child. We wanted Maya, my oldest, not to be an only child. And so I actually pivoted. And at that time, I got headhunted to go work for a company outside of the book industry in the baby industry, Uh, still sales, still managing Amazon a very large retailer and they hired me because they understood when you come up in books, we understood Amazon, right? Amazon started as a book retailer. So I would fly to Seattle, but working for the baby company, I actually went with my baby uh, to the trade shows were in the ergo. Like it was just a different kind of industry and they actually did have pumping stations. And I think it was because a lot of in the baby industry, There's a lot of women businesses in clothing, in carriers. And so it just was more friendly. And I was in that industry for about six years. But then I got pregnant kind of by an oops. There's eight years uh, between my third child and my oldest. And I still was really head and director of sales, meaning trade shows and travel is a huge part of that business. And I was six months pregnant at a large trade show in Las Vegas and I had heels on and I was exhausted. And I literally at that moment was like, I can't keep this up. And I knew I had to think about some different way that I could lead both as a person in a career who understood numbers and who understood accounts, but also who could be a mom in a different way I missed a lot of my oldest first, to be honest. I wasn't at her kindergarten or tour call. I wasn't at those dance recitals. I had a full-time nanny. And I just think also part of me wanted something a little different with this third child. I mean, I was going to be 40. It was just different. So you do
1: realize, though, that all of the pumping stations and things like that <laughs> are because of women like you.
2: Thank you. Oh, so- I, thought, I I got really mad one day because... I had to pump on like the bathroom floor at the JFK and on the same trip that on a train from New York to New Jersey with like a sheet over me. And finally, I was like, this is ridiculous. You guys, we need better facilities. We need like a chair and a light and our own room. I'm proud proud of my women like me in my mid-40s who really stuck it out. We stuck it out for over 10 years talking about this.
1: It's amazing because here in the United States, women can dress in low-cut skin tight (laughs) with everything hanging out, and guys think it's gorgeous, and women, oh, blah, they're so envious. But you start nursing your baby, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, my God, what are you doing? It's only in this country. We're so backwards when it comes to caring for our kids, especially as nursing mothers. Yeah. I have three kids and I was a nursing mom and I'm large breasted. I always wore baggy clothes and believe me, I could sit, have, I'd be nursing. You wouldn't, nobody even knew I was nursing. I was talking to my brother one time, nursing my <laughs> baby, burped him, had him on the other breast. And I finally said, I'm glad one of my three brothers doesn't freak out with this. And all of a sudden he goes, like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> oh, you can't get upset now, dude. You've already been here for yeah. 20 minutes. And he was like, yeah, but I didn't realize it. What difference does it make? And shut up. You know, so, but it is, it's because of women like you that had to do this, that have finally made it available Thank
2: to you. I, the women of today. I, I really appreciate that, actually, because I have to say with my youngest, when she was born, I didn't really leave the workforce very long because I was... Seven or eight months pregnant, I got a phone call from a really cool brand out of Utah called Oilo that they wanted me to help redo their catalogs. They needed help with Nordstrom's. And I said, sure, but I'm about to have a baby. And they said, no problem. We really want you just to consult with us, help us, bring the baby along. And I felt like I deserved that. Like I was 40 years old. I had spent all this time and all this networking and people knew my background from selling to literally every store that has a shopping cart. I mean, if anyone's been to, at the show to ATB, Grocer, I mean, I've even sold them down in tech, brokers I mean, you name it, Wagmans. I mean, I love that grocery store, sold to them. So what I, what I think I had a name for myself of like, how do you get product into wholesale? How do you, think about marketing into wholesale, how do you really connect with uh, that particular person, that buyer, and really listen to them, and that's what I really always strive for in in what I do, and so I didn't really ever leave the workforce, but I consulted before I founded the Collective Book Studio. Why I always say it was my third kid that let me find my own business, that let me realize, like, all of the work that I've done to this point, I deserve to actually own my own company. I've made a lot of money for other companies, but how do I make my own? Um, was There was a day that I was in the car, and my oldest now is probably close to nine or ten, right? And no, not, not even, only nine. She wasn't ten, because Raquel was still pretty little, maybe six or seven months old and I and my middle one, and they're in the car, and they're fighting, and they're screaming, or whatever, and they wanted to go to the Gap, and they were asking to go get, to get shopping, and I just lost it. I said, you know what? I can't go to the Gap with you guys. I don't make any money. You could ask your father, because he makes all the money, and they just, all of a sudden, my nine-year-old daughter says to me, mom, you can make money too, and that was that moment, that I was like, you're right. My nine-year-old daughter sees her mother extremely different than this crying baby at the gap or, you know, this crying baby in the car. And so I took that, what my oldest said, she doesn't see me this way. She sees me as the woman who got into her corporate suit and took her, her bag and was gone and was pumping everywhere and was making presentations at Costco and Target. That's my oldest saw in her mother. And so also that moment, I realized, why are we always judging ourselves of how we are supposed to be as mothers? And this concept, which I've written about, mastering motherhood, which I hate that concept because there's no such thing for me, mastering myself. And my motherhood or my career is so unique and different than the next woman beside me. And so that's what I learned in that moment is that for my oldest, I was the right mother at the right time for her. And I decided then and there that I would find my own company and I would make my own money. On that note, I
1: want you to think of what Angela just said. We're going to take a quick break, say thank you to our sponsors. And we'll be back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. The makers of Sesame Street bring you their newest spin-off, Mecha Builders, starring Elmo, Cookie Monster, and Abby Cadabby. Join these old friends on new adventures as superheroes in training. There is no problem too big or too small for the Mecha Builders to solve. Don't miss this new show weekdays at 8 a.m. on Cartoonito, now streaming on HBO Max. And we are back on Word of Mom Radio. We're talking with Angela Engel, who is the publisher and founder of the Collective Book Studio. I love what you just said. And I really hope people thought about it. I'm going to ask you, why do you feel or how is it that the Collective Book Studio is different from other boutique publishers?
2: That's a really great question. We're very different. So in publishing, there's a whole other side on the traditional side of publishing, what they call custom publishing. So let's say you're a brand like Hostess Twinkie. <laughs> which i've worked on that cookbook and you want a cookbook right you're not going to go and publish or figure out and you don't you make of twinkies you don't make you make twinkies you don't make books right so you hire a really experienced company a publishing house and they do all the work the editorial they help you figure out your archive of your pictures maybe help figure out a photo shoot whatever they do they have the designers the editorial team the production team and they have the way and means to sell it. But who's financing that project? Because a great marketing project is the brand, right? So that has actually happened all the time in traditional publishing. In the brands that I've worked with on cookbooks, I've done Build a Better Burger from Sutter Homes, for example, or I've did on Splenda cookbook. I mean, there's a lot of interesting contracts within traditional publishing So I took that concept, right? I took that idea that this is already kind of existing. I've done all of this, where there's in the contract, the company has to buy 10,000 units to get published, or there's some kind of a monetary exchange. Then there's this thing called self-publishing that's happening, where people are funding their own projects. They're not really getting their editorial services, maybe they don't even understand they have to put a Ritzy or wherever they go to get a designer. And then they also have to be their own megaphone and their own distribution. All of it, right? In the end, only really selling at one place, Amazon. And so I thought, well, what if I started talking to people? Because I saw what was happening. And sometimes I think the only people that can really solve a problem are the best people are within the industry. We're in the industry. We either could be ostriches in the sand about what's happening with what people want books faster. I went to a baby and fashion industry and then I went back to publishing. In the fashion industry, it's so much faster. Whole Foods says they want this pattern on a baby skirt. You put it on a baby skirt and you take it to market. In publishing, you go, okay, it's going to take three years. You got to have an agent. You got to do this. And is it going to fit on this list? And people don't want that. anymore. And so I've gathered all of these people, these designers, editorial talent, acquisitions talent together, and we formed a collective called the Collective Book Studio, which I own, but yet they really help run the business. I mean, my team is phenomenal. We launched a company that can offer people to partake in the budget. So you pay in, you get to get a full service creative fee, and then you can choose to also be part of our sales marketing distribution, which I partnered with a larger company called Independent Publishers Group out of Chicago that's been around for 50 years. And they have full warehousing and sales staff. And, you know, my attitude is, why do it alone? Your book is a collaboration of, Tons of people, and it takes a lot of work. I'm very different because I put together a bespoke team for every author.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's partnership publishing.
2: Yes, that's what I call it. It's partnership publishing. I have very interesting contracts. The authors own their IP. I license it for about five to ten years, depending on if I own the inventory or not. Some of the clients, I own inventory. Some I don't. Some of the projects we do publish are completely ideas we do in-house. We have an idea a theory and we're like, oh, we could do that ourselves. And we're writers, we're thinkers. So that is honestly scholastic, natural geographic. They do that too. We develop content that's kind of authorless. And then we also have lots of authors that are real entrepreneurs. And the cool part is is like let's say they buy the art, then they can use the art on mugs, on t-shirts, any other way they want to. We don't care. It's a very different model than your traditional model. What do you look for in a book? Mm, that's a great, what do I look for in a book? When it comes to nonfiction, I want it to solve a problem. So I love self-help. I like leadership books. I wanted to really have a voice. And I, I, we don't publish memoir. People come to me with their memoirs. And I'm like, are you solving? Because the fact is, the great nonfiction book has a great vision. And you've decided to really have a voice. That could also move people in their lives. I look for that. I like that. Thank you.
1: What kind of advice do you have for the moms out there that want to become authors and that have an idea for a book?
2: I really advise you to, first of all, write down your vision. And it it doesn't need to be two pages. It literally could be five or six sentences. Like, what is your vision for this book? And then start looking at other books that are comparable or ideas that are similar. And don't just do that from a Google search or an Amazon, like really go into a bookstore, and really look into the section that you feel your book would be shelved in. So let's say you're a therapist, and you want to write something on anxiety, go to that section in the bookstore and really look at What are the table of contents? What are other people doing? And then how is yours different? And how is yours similar? I really, that is my biggest advice. And then what do you like about the covers, the package, the design? That is a lot of what I do. I think, especially for debut authors, you could have the best concept and stuff, but you know, you also, how are you going to package it? Because ultimately a book is an object that people are buying just as though they're buying other objects, like a nice, beautiful scarf. And they need to really feel that you have high quality and you're making a high quality book. Very,
1: very interesting. For the other mompreneurs out there and those wannabe mompreneurs, what kind of tips and ideas do you have for them in trying to start
2: their own business? I mean, the first thought that I had when you asked me this question was be fearless. Like it is really important to just say that to yourself. Uh, often like, uh, you know, I can be fearless. I can jump up uh, into this right now because there are so many no's and you have to understand that that is not that bad. A no is not that bad. I always say, what's the worst that someone can tell you? No, that's like, okay, move on. I also think a small group of confidants of people that you really trust that you can talk with is really key for me. Keep that circle tight when you need to solve a problem. Really, truly, it's isolating and you need to figure out how you can really, and it shouldn't be like your mom or your best friend. Maybe it's someone who has a similar concept or that you met in a networking group or you've worked with before, but really diversify those people in your life that you can kind of bounce certain aspects of the business off of.
1: I love that and I really do want to throw in that don't be discouraged by your friends out there that don't have that entrepreneurial spirit because you would think that they'd be your biggest cheerleaders and very often they're not because mm. they don't understand that mentality.
2: You need to find yeah. not just your best friend. You need to find that other woman in your life that is also doing it, right? For me, it might not be somebody in book publishing, right? But they're like, they're doing other things like an essential oil brand or a career coaching uh, platform or whatever they're doing. Like these are some of the women I love to just talk to. Like what are our hurdles? What are what are our biggest fears? Like what? What are we working on? It's, I'm serious. This is why
1: we began Word of Mom Radio, to give women like us a voice, because I know what it is to be starting a business and having my family and my friend. When are you going to quit this and get a real job? And then <laughs> to the point that, you know, when are you going to grow this big enough to hire me? You know. Mm. So, again,
2: don't let the naysayers stop you. Oh, and you know, you just said the thing that is probably the most frustrating for many of the listeners who are starting their business where they think because you've just started your business that you're available for, for pickups for their children, or you're available to like do everything at the school, or you're available to be the person to make all the baked goods at the soccer. You're not. You're working on your business. And I really want to say that you should be clear about your boundaries. And look, I am going on a field trip on Thursday, but that's because I want to see the Wizard of Oz and I want to do that with my kids, right? Like I want, and I get to because I obviously am the owner and set my hours and I'm figuring out for myself how I can sometimes take make choices. Now, I also make a choice that there's very long days that I don't see my kids because I want to be there for my company right? And so I think that it's okay. I was just on a Mother's Day panel listening to one of my authors, who's an incredible therapist, and she said this, you could have the guilt, but you don't need to say it out loud to everybody and emphasize it. Instead, you could have the guilt and think it but, and feel the emotion, but feel it on the in the run that you want it to do. Like, don't not go on the run because you feel guilty. Just feel the emotion, like you feel anger or you feel sadness. And I think that that is like really good advice. Like all this mom guilt. Okay, feel it, but you don't need to make it hold you back.
1: What a perfect way to be wrapping up this conversation. It really (laughs) is. Angela, what do you want to leave our listeners with? And please let them know how to reach out to you. I want to
2: leave them with this. If I had like one wish, right? I really would wish I have three daughters that we are all building something. We kind of talked about this, about the breastfeeding part of the show. We're building something now that's so exciting, right? Us women in our businesses that I cannot wait to see how we could all come together. Please reach out to me, DM me at the collective book studio uh, on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn as Angela Engel. Our website is just com, but please reach out because I want to almost form this group of women that we're building now so that we can just have this incredible group of women that we're raising where, you know, there's just equity. That's my wish.
1: I knew this was going to be an awesome conversation (laughs) because of how long it took us to get it done. So thank you for living up to the expectations that I knew were going to happen. I really... Thank you so much for taking the time to come and share with us. Like I said, I know this is not going to be our last conversation. And I'm thrilled with what you are doing. Reach out, take a look at the collectivebookstudio.com. You've got ideas, you've got somebody that can help bring them to fruition. So don't let them sit on a shelf in your brain. Yeah, They're I love that story. You, you know, sit on a shelf in a bookstore. So again thank you for being here for all of you tuning in thanks for sharing your time with us we're going to close out with our fabulous theme song from smith sisters and the sunday drivers so till next time this is dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you
0: bye for now she is sure she is is strong she is